it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan and Peter V.S. Bond, 
explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Sri and Peter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the CPG Guys podcast. I'm Sri, one of the aforementioned CPG Guys, and my co-host week after week is, of course, Peter, also the VP of Partner Strategy and Dev at Fetch Rewards, a mobile loyalty platform. He's unable to join me today, so joining in his place, I welcome one of our friends and one of our fresh four co-hosts on Sundays, the president of PackView, a leading e-commerce SaaS platform that empowers agencies, brands, and sellers to optimize the advertising. You'll actually see her at many industry webinars and even on Bloomberg TV during earnings releases. Bloomberg TV, welcome, Miss Bloomberg TV, Melissa Burdick. How are you? It's good. It's coming up. Amazon earnings are end of this month. Can't, I can't wait to see those and see you on Bloomberg TV speaking about Amazon earnings. I know at the time we recorded this episode, Melissa and I will also be together at App Week, which is shortly away. So can't wait to um, break bread with you there as well. But before we get to our guests, let me remind our audience that all of our content may be found by visiting cpgguys.com. That easy. And if you aren't already following us on LinkedIn, all you got to do is go to the search bar on top, type CPG Guys. A blue plus follow button will be there. Click it. And just that way, you can be part of this growing audience and family, influence who we bring on the show, the topics we talk about. Best of all, there's no charge to do this. Join us and shape the future of the CPG industry. And today we're back at it with data and analytics. What I would call is Peter's home turf and domain. Data, of course, is becoming one of the most valuable, if not already, commodities in the CPG industry. But when it's converted to actionable insights, it is a game changer for brand equity and retail growth. We've had others on the show in earlier episodes talk about the role of data, the future of insights, and how they will be shaped by scale and speed. So here we decided we will do a two-part series with Cardlytics, whose vision is to transform marketing with purchase intelligence. They use insights from credit card and banking transactions to help marketers identify, reach, and influence likely buyers at scale as well as measure the true sales impact of marketing campaigns. To me, it's targeted marketing personalization at its absolute best. Joining Melissa and me today on the show is the president of advertising at Cardlytics, a remarkable career background, having held positions as co-founder and chief revenue officers, connected and CRO at MediaMath prior to joining Cardlytics. Join us in welcoming to the podcast, Ross McNabb. Ross, how are you? Hi, thanks very much for having me. Before we jump into questions and get to understand everything Cardlytics does, could you give us a brief intro of Cardlytics, where our multitasking audience can learn more about Cardlytics solutions, and then what do you personally do at Cardlytics? Sure thing. Listen, uh, if you haven't heard of Cardlytics, uh, chances are you've actually probably utilized our services in some way, uh, perhaps without knowing it. If you happen to bank with Chase, Bank of America, or Wells Fargo, uh, like one in every two Americans, uh, you'll likely have been exposed to our solution, which is if you've noticed the offers that are made available in your banking app or on the bank website uh, on your credit or debit card, that's powered by us. We operate that on behalf of uh, those three banks, uh, plus many, many more in the US, uh, reaching uh, in any given month about 160 million Americans. Um, my role as part of that business, uh, I'm the president North America for the advertising side of our business. Uh, I guess that's a, 
a pretty good title for somebody with my accent. Uh, uh, some would say my skill set, uh, but certainly for somebody who can't even vote yet. Thank you for that, Ross. And of course, needless to say, is week over week, we'll include hyperlinks to the site addresses you mentioned, as well as Ross's own LinkedIn profile and any details on Cardlytics. So listeners, if you want to reach out, you can do that by simply going to those liner notes. So I'm going to jump into our discussion right here and ask you the first question, which is very straightforward, Ross. Why don't you share your journey through programmatic advertising, given that it's your background, and what lessons you've drawn from that to guide how you approach advertising for Cardlytics? Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to walk down memory lane. Um, so my, my programmatic journey, if you will, started before it was even known as programmatic. Uh, we were trying to come up with a name for it. At the time, I think we called it RTB, real-time bidding. Uh, and it was in my first uh, stint in the US uh, with a business uh, back then known as iBlaster, became uh, Media Mind, uh, became Seismic and is now part of uh, the Amazon overall business. Uh, and I had the good fortune of uh, uh, pioneering our RTB offering at that time. Um, got to meet an amazing group of people, be at the forefront and start of what has now become the dominant way that digital media is bought and sold. Uh, and took that uh, early experience and the meeting of many, many different businesses in the ecosystem and recognized there was an opportunity to help these businesses expand into, into international markets and specifically into Australia and then up into the uh, broader Asia Pacific region. So grab that opportunity with a couple of co-founders and we launched Connected in 2012 uh, back in Sydney, Australia, uh, moved back there. Uh, yeah, great time. We were able to tap into a latent market, a lot of latent demand there looking for these types of solutions, mapped to these businesses trying to get into those markets. Uh, it was a pretty low risk, uh, high return op option for them. Uh, and turns out for us too, as, as founders, the business uh, generated uh, some great success very quickly, uh, so much so that we actually were uh, uh, spun the business out and we were mostly, most of the business was acquired by MediaMath, uh, one of the founding DSPs, demand-side platforms in the programmatic space. Uh, as part of that acquisition, myself, my, one of my co-founders and a number of our team joined MediaMath. Uh, and we, uh, as part of that, I returned to the U.S., <clears throat> to be medium as president for for the US, um, you know, great few years uh, growing that business, uh, getting to see the programmatic space mature before the Cardlytics opportunity presented itself uh, two years ago. It's almost two years exactly to my to my anniversary joining there. You know, the, the similarities the similarities are strong. Um, you know, the promise of programmatic was uh, really built around the reduction of waste, if you will, and the reduction of waste in pursuit of improving performance. You know, the old adage, I don't know, you know, 50% of my advertising is working, don't know which 50% and programmatic's promise was to try and help answer that. And you can see a lot of that, frankly, with the Cardlytics proposition too, because of the, uh, uh, the depth of the targeting uh, that is available, the fact that uh, it is built on that incredible purchase intelligence asset that we are honored to represent from our banking partners. Um, you know, it turns out when you're trying to predict future performance or future actions, future consumer behavior, uh, uh, one of the greatest predictors is what they've done before. 
Uh, and so looking at where they've purchased, uh, when they purchased, uh, how much was purchased, gives us amazing insight into consumer behavior, uh, helps marketers then reach those consumers uh, in brand safe, fraud free uh, environments, back in the banking environments, and really drive incremental return on their on their marketing investment, which really in the you know the promise of digital advertising is the promise of return, right? The promise of programmatic was the promise of return, quantifiable return at a higher rate than you've ever been able to do that before. Um, so it's really pleasing to be able to be part of a business that that can really stand up, uh, deliver that, and and prove it out too. All right. So in terms of reputation and perceived value in advertising, these are as important as ever. In your opinion, how has this subsequently impacted the way in which senior leaders think about the role or value of the marketing and advertising plays and the broader business strategy? And how has that changed? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a it's a, been a continuous evolution uh, for a long time now for marketing teams to be able to stand up the contribution they make to a business. Um, everything from the CMO being able to stand up and be a true uh, proven part of the C-suite all, all the way through their organization, uh, such that when they uh, go and ask for marketing budgets for increased investments, they're able to go with really clear business cases that say, I know when you give me a dollar, I'm going to be able to return a dollar X. And so incredibly important then that they find that the ecosystem around them and the broader marketing industry evolves to help them achieve exactly that need. Um, Now, the reputation piece, you know, it's it's not zero sum, right? You have to produce return from uh, a, a straight business results, a sales perspective, if you will, and you have to do it whilst also being an incredibly strong steward for your brand. Uh, it, one can't come at the expense of the other. Um, so whilst I think that is uh, you know, a, an ongoing uh, battle, if you will, or, or challenge, it's, uh, I think, increasingly great to see the industry understanding the needs of those marketers on that basis and developing solutions that, that help fit the bill there. We're going to jump into a little bit of details on Cardlytics over here. You know, credit card data, consumer data, you're not the first, clearly. But what differentiates you? Like, why would a brand go to Cardlytics to partner on advertising? What's the edge here? And what are we telling brands today about why they should work with you? Yeah, listen, Cardlytics' superpower is our ability to influence consumer behavior. Uh, you know, that, that, that really is the headline. Um, and you know, let, let me unpack that a little bit. So again, off of that amazing purchase intelligence asset that we that we have the ability to work with from those relationships with the banks, where we see one in every two card swipes, not just credit, but also debit, ACH as well, where we see the transactions that come through. And please, uh, let, let's take a moment to acknowledge the amazing uh, business that's been built in being extremely privacy and user and consumer uh, privacy compliant to be able to be the right stewards of that type of of that type of data on behalf of our banks, all non PII anonymized and so on. Even so, just the ability to keep to safeguard that and to be a trusted partner on that level um, is you know absolute kudos to all those who have come before me in the business to build up that credibility. But it's that ability to see what the people have purchased before, the ability to then help give the marketer. Uh, 
uh, an insight that they don't have for themselves. You know, so many markers, marketers these days, they've got really smart, sophisticated CRM programs for themselves. They know more than ever about their customers that they have. Where their blind spot is, they don't know what those customers are doing with their competitors. And we do. Seeing those tra- seeing all that transaction data, analyzing that, we can understand brand share of wallet um, in, in any given category. We can help them understand, hey, that customer that you believe to be uh, uh, perhaps in your most loyal, that's most loyal relative to the rest of your customer base. That customer might actually still be spending 50% of their dollar in the category with somebody else. Uh, we can help them understand that opportunity. Really importantly, we can help them take action on it by reaching those customers and helping influence their behavior um, with our offers uh, uh, based ad formats. And you know, importantly as well, I think the real unlock there is that we're able to do it at scale. And I, you know, I, I kind of want to hit myself in the leg every time I say at scale because I don't like to hear it either. But you know, it, it truly is the difference between efficiency and, and real effectiveness in my mind. It's great to be able to drive a return on a small number of customers because of our size, because of the breadth of the relationships that we have with the, the US's biggest banks and uh, you know, a great set of regional, local, and, uh, and other banks, you know, hundreds upon hundreds, that reach that we have gives us the opportunity to help a marketer make real business impact, really you know, uh, make a positive impact on the bottom line. Uh, and you know, that's the unlock to that, being able to influence consumer behavior, but being able to do it at a magnitude that matters. So keeping on that topic that we were just talking about with scale, do you think that it's data or is it data science? This is a cardinal question within any CPG organization. So how do you help drive scale and adoption? Yeah, I'll give the cardinal answer or, or, or the one that you've probably heard many times is, of course, it's it's both, right? It's the ability to have access to that type of information and but then really the unlock is the insight that you're able to garner from it. Uh, and the real unlock is then what do you do with that insight? Uh, sometimes there is value in an insight. It tells you something you don't know. So you can say, oh, I have an opportunity there. I have headroom. Uh, the real value, I think, comes in finishing the thought. Okay, what am I going to do about it? What can I do about it? Did, what I, did my actions then subsequently have an impact? Um, and so that's where I think the data plus data science um, piece really comes together, uh, both together uh, str- stronger. It's a real one plus one equals three type scenario for me. Got it. I want to remind our audience that we are speaking to Ross McNabb, North American president of advertising at Card Lakes today. Thank you for joining us again on the show. So let's now jump into your forte, which is the advertising platform. Can you take us through the details of what kind of solutions and tools it actually offers for brands? Sure. So maybe helpful to bring it to life, just talking about, first of all, the environment in which our platform reaches customers. Uh, And so those of you, again, that bank with B of A, with Chase, with Wells Fargo and, and, and numerous others in the US, if you see those offers and, you know, I hope. Some of you, many of you have used those offers to your benefit. 
which is actually just as an aside, like, you know, one of the coolest things that being part of Cardlytics is, you know, we, we get to do something we can really be proud of because of the value that we do actually add to consumers in the end. It's great to be part of digital advertising in a growth industry and, and help brands and help banks with their consumer uh, loyalty. Uh, but to be able to actually do it and add value back to customers is, is for me, one of the coolest aspects of our business. Not many other businesses, there aren't too many other businesses in digital advertising uh, that, that can put, hold their hand up and say they're, they're a positive force for, for good all around. Um, but back to the environment. So where do we reach it? Those offers, that, that's our ad format, if you will. That, that's our inventory. That's our, that's our ad products right there. Um, uh, important, of course, for marketers. Uh, one of the benefits of that type of environment is that bots don't bank. We know that every person we reach is human. We know that an, uh, a brand can operate with the absolute confidence that their brand isn't going to appear against uh, any nefarious content or uh, you know, uh, less than stellar other advertisers or brands uh, that, that they can uh, know for a fact that uh, they're going to be safe in the environments that we present them. So if environment is kind of one part of the equation of the platform, the second really is that purchase intelligence asset that everything's derived from. Uh, that is where, you know, on access to $3 billion uh, in, in uh, transaction spend, uh, you know, hundreds of millions, billions of uh, transaction level pieces of data that we're able to analyze that help us understand consumer behaviors. Um, uh, and then, uh, you know, the final piece of that platform or channel is uh, the ability to really then prove the result. Uh, and that is done uh, with our own uh, test versus control methodology. We have a stellar team of analysts uh, who work all day, every day on continuing to A, improve the performance of our channel, but also B, prove and give marketers confidence that the results that they see are real. Because uh, I talked about our superpower being able to influence consumer behavior. Frankly, sometimes it can be a bit of a weakness. There's some crypt our kryptonite is perhaps that because there aren't many like us uh, in the field, we don't always look or sound like uh, uh, partners that marketers are used to working with. Uh, our measurement can sometimes uh, seem perhaps uh, so robust that, that it really needs uh, more stood up. So in an effort to help there, uh, we certainly bring independent third parties to the table. Nielsen is in play and verifies a large number of the campaigns, a large number of the test versus control results that we present to our marketers. Um, and then some of our most sophisticated marketers, uh, they, they seek more of the information themselves to validate it against their own CRM files. So, you know, uh, uh, tools like being able to provide them the last four digits of the cards used in a transaction helps them validate for themselves and they get to uh, grade their own homework in, in that way, which I think is a pretty powerful thing. You know, we, we want the analytics teams at marketers who are becoming an increasingly important part of marketing teams uh, to have the power to stand up and say, yeah, we, 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 we verify this, we, we believe in this. Um, and we find that, that that is the best type of relationship that we have when we also have the marketing analytics teams uh, bought into. 
Awesome. So Ross, e-commerce and digital selling is another area that has now become pretty permanent. How do you think this positions with the traditional way of revenue measurement across CPG manufacturers? And what are your thoughts around this space? What, what do you offer at Cardlytics? Yeah, you know, gr- grocery and CPG as well, uh, you know, if you talk about those in a, in a related manner, certainly a growth area for us. Um, you know, this, this really ties into a significant acquisition that we made earlier this year, a company by the name of Bridge, that's B-R-I-D-G. Um, uh, the, pow- the power they have there is, well, but a blind spot perhaps we had in our data before, our ability to help CPG marketers and grocers by extension was we have incredibly uh, an incredible breadth of, of, of data on the purchase. Uh, what we didn't have really was, frankly, depth. The missing piece, and you might have heard it in my answer before, the missing piece, if we know where and we know when and we know how much, what I didn't say was we knew what, right? And that's incredibly important for grocers and for CPG marketers because we know shopper marketing funding, uh, the burgeoning world of retail media and so on. It's incredibly important to be able to understand what was purchased so that we can then target uh, uh, and understand consumer behavior and purchase behavior at a product or SKU level uh, so that we can then uh, target and reach those people on behalf of the right CPG or grocer marketers. Uh, and then that we can then prove performance. We can prove that that category or that that product or SKU was actually purchased. And so the acquisition of Bridge, uh, this is an area they specialize in. They see the what uh, through the, their relationships with with some leading uh, CPG and retailers and uh, CPG retailers and grocers that they see basically think about it this way they see the receipt in a way right they get to understand exactly what was purchased and so when you add that to the data that we're able to bring to the table already you get this quite amazing like data T um, kind of idea right where you've got the breadth and then the depth when you need it and so our hope. Uh, is to be able to you know create a real one plus one equals three there with our joint cardlytics and bridge solution to help CPG marketers and by extension grocers too uh, really step into that opportunity to reach people and influence purchasing maybe it's at a category level or even the way or all the way down to product. First of all, congratulations on the acquisition of Bridge. And uh, it sounds like that acquisition really gets you to a full 360, completes the picture of being able to see the what in the transaction, the transactional data, basically, of the consumer, which is really good. I want to go back to a statement you made earlier, you know, effectiveness versus efficiency. While both are important, doing effectiveness of scale triumphs everything else. So the, the big question I have for you, Ras, is, when it comes to a partnership with Cardlytics, what can your clients expect back from you in terms of campaign measurement, reporting, analytics, things of that nature that's different from others, maybe unique or more profound? And I, I personally would tell you digital campaigns are by default easier to measure, but everybody doesn't understand it. And is there, because you now you have bridge in the mix, does that mean there's some in-store component here that ties in perfectly? Yeah, uh, th- thanks for the opportunity to revisit that that question by diving in a little deeper here. I- I'd kind of uh, f- separate my answer, to two kind of angles on that answer. 
the first is, you know, our focus and our differentiator is on incrementality. So again, when we influence consumer behavior, another way to say that is we can create actions that otherwise wouldn't have happened. We can help marketers capture value that only we can see and only we can help them see. And then importantly, we prove it, right? Again, through that test versus control methodology, we see the purchases, which is a killer piece of it, right? This isn't inferred. Uh, this isn't um, uh, probabilistic. Uh, this is observed. We understand what people bought and what people didn't. Uh, and that uh, is incredibly powerful to be able to show to a marketer we generated incremental, not just return, for some, for many marketers, that is great. Uh, for other marketers, you know, incremental return is the name of the game, is the holy grail, and our ability to drive incremental return uh, is a is a really important piece. The second piece of the answer there is then, you know, the ability to do it on a true omni-channel basis, and I don't mean omni-channel from a media channel perspective. I mean omni-channel from a purchase perspective, from e-commerce and bricks and mortar. Uh, we see all of it, uh, not just any any one channel. And you know, so that's great, right? Because e-commerce growing what uh, in the last what was that stat a couple of months ago at the height of at the height of the pandemic? E-commerce had grown more than in the last ten months, more than it had in the last ten years. Fabulous, right? We're here to help uh, marketers step into that opportunity. Still, though, for most brands, that means that 90% at most of their purchasing is happening via e-commerce. Of course, it varies greatly. D2C brands, e-commerce brands, it's much, much higher. Point being, though, it doesn't matter. We can help a marketer either way. 90% of the transactions that are still happening in-store, bricks and mortar, we're there to help influence uh, those too and help the marketer really understand uh, what is going on and help them do something about it. Awesome. Well, this is this is my favorite question. What is next for Cardlytics? What does your product pipeline look like? Yeah, l listen, I think um, uh, we've kind of touched on the bridge acquisition there and we really look forward to bringing that more of that uh, that data T to the table. Uh, I will not be involved in the naming of it. You can see how terrible I am at that. Um, but the product answer there, the what that's been purchased I think that's the headroom there is is enormous to help marketers further. Um, you know, I think folks should look forward to seeing us starting to really innovate, though, in the consumer experience. Uh, it's fair to say that uh, uh, the ad formats that we operate, they're pretty respectful of the environments that they're in, right? We're in your banking app and we have to be super uh, polite and, and, and respectful of, of the presence we have. But we probably are leaving some opportunities on the table there from a customer experience standpoint. Uh, and another acquisition we made earlier this year was a company by the name of Dosh. Uh, the difference, real difference there was they kind of had two things. One was they'd made a great foray into the rise of the neobanks, right? Uh, you know, PayPal, Venmo, all that kind of thing. They kind of did what we did for those guys. Uh, so now, now we get to kind of talk to a whole new group of consumers and help a whole new type of bank um, with, our, with our core offering. But then also Dosh have an amazing consumer-facing app. Um, and so that's something we've never had before is our own voice to the customer. Really importantly, you know, it helps us be an amazing innovation ground, 
right? Um, it helps us see some different data points as well. But really, for me, the most exciting thing is it's an innovation bed for us where we can try different offer formats, different ad types, different constructs, uh, different whole targeting approaches. Um, and I think that that kind of playground, if you will, where we can then uh, test, learn there, drive great value for the for the DOSH consumer base, and then bring that to the 160 million customers we reach every month through our through the big uh, traditional bank partners is a, is a pretty cool opportunity for us. How exciting! We go from 42 sure, uh, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney, Australia, and Finding Nemo to a 160 million consumer touched to the 360 of sound sound of purchasing data acquired on the consumer for the whopping scale of 160 million folks. That's like, isn't that like the entire household population of the US I would think that's actually trackable. And then uh, thank you also for kind of outlining what to expect in measurement. Cause I think in your words, Ross, both effectiveness and efficiency are important, but if you can get effectiveness at scale, that can be the, Game changer on Melissa, any thoughts? As I unmute, sounds super exciting. Um, more data is always great to see and uh, sounds like you have a really exciting product. Holy grail of CPG today and retail and the intersection. If you can acquire the data and you can study it and you can get actionable insights at that scale, holy smokes, the entire household household population that is mega huge if there are, or as my friend Peter Bond would have said, big league. So I want to remind our audience that all of our content can be found on cpgguys.com. If you're not following us already, all you have to do is go to linkedin.com, the search bar, type CPG guys, hit the blue plus follow button, and you can be part of this growing family of listeners that influences change in the CPG industry and the transformation towards bigger and greater things. Also, we would love for you to give us feedback and tell us who you'd like on the show. The easiest way to do that, go to ratethispodcast.com slash guys. leave us a rating and a review, and you can tell us what you think of the show. Ross, thank you for joining us on the podcast. I think you're the first one that has ever walked into our show and talked of touching the entire U.S. household population. And for that, while I'm overwhelmed, I know the power of that in the day job that I do and the jobs I've had in the CPG industry in a past life. Thank you for joining us on the show today, Ross. My pleasure. I promise we'll, we'll use the opportunity wisely. I hope you do. And I, I know you already are. Also a reminder that Carlytics will be back for part two of this two-part series, which and that part will be released on November 13th. Melissa, a pleasure having you join me as a co-host and in addition to being one of our fresh four guests, you're now part of the CPG guys. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. For all our listeners, we will catch you soon on another episode of the CPG guys. Thank you. Content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests. 
nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.